Yes, this is such an important part of scripture. The heading here, no confidence in the flesh. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains for me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participating in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. It'd be great if you've got a Bible in front of you and that passage actually in front of you. There's no um, slides or anything today. And if you wanted to take some notes, there's just a blank page for you um, for this series in the in the booklet. It, Philippians is a great passage to look at. Wherever you're at with God, it's a great book to look at because it highlights that we are to have a relationship with Jesus and there sh- it should be full of joy. Uh, so whether you're coming at it from the perspective of someone who's not sure what you think of Jesus or whether you're one who loves the Lord and you're trying to figure out how to live for him, Philippians gives us insight into that really helpfully, I reckon. Uh, to give us the context of where we've, been, uh, where we've been in Philippians, Paul has wanted the Philippians to really understand that they're to be a beacon for following Jesus. They're to shine like stars, he says at one point, hence the name of our series. Um, and in, in doing that, there's one very clear way that he wants them to shine like stars. You see, what earlier on in chapter two that we that we have had highlighted earlier in later in 2017, late 2017, that 
To be in a relationship with Jesus is to see what Jesus has done for you and to see that as your model for life. Not to earn favour with him, not to try and say, I've been good enough to get into heaven or to be in a relationship with him or to make everything okay, but to see he's given me a relationship, now I want to be like him. In, a, in Philippians 2, in that those great verses which highlight what Jesus has done, they're introduced in verse 5 with, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. We are... To be like Christ. We're finishing our, uh, the talk today um, with a song, May the Mind of Christ, to highlight that's kind of the final application is our final song today. After the, well, the song after the talk. Same mindset of Christ, and we see that mindset play out so beautifully where we see that Jesus is full of humility, full of sacrifice, and he gives us life in that. In 2 verse 6, who in being very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. God with us. The one who made all things humbles himself to be part of the creation to give life. He humbled himself, not just by doing that, but we see in verse 8, by becoming obedient to, even to death on a cross. See, the framework of life with Jesus is that the very thing that saves you is the very thing that then shapes you for the rest of your life. And if you're not a Christian, that's a really helpful way, I think, of seeing it. Do I believe Jesus has saved me and do I trust in that? Yes, he's my Lord. So the rest of my days, instead of trying to earn his favour, I now just want to be like him because that's what I'm made for. That's what it is. And so within that framework, Paul keeps talking to the Philippians, wanting them to help them to understand their context and he wants them to have joy no matter their circumstances, no matter how hard things get, no matter what's going on for them. He wants them to be like Jesus, have joy in the Lord, and to deal with what's going on. And so as the framework of Philippians is copy Jesus, Paul says, so the things that I have done in line with copying Jesus, copy me. Copying others who love the Lord in their way is what we see we're challenged to do. And quote, basically because whether you realize it or not, we copy someone. So why don't we copy Jesus and copy those who follow him? That kind of makes sense. So let's have a look at this passage today and see what is so important about having a treasure of Jesus as kind of the intro today was the kid spot in a way. And so let's have a look at this passage and run through it and then pause um, at a real significant moment to reflect on it. So open it up with me. Because he highlights in chapter 3 the need to rejoice in God, in the Lord. Chapter 3, verse 1. Further, my brothers and sisters. So he's talking to the Christians in Philippi. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Have you ever thought, hearing God's word over and over and again, let's move on from it? Well, Paul's saying, no, 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 no. Let's go back again. Let's keep talking about the same things. Let's talk about it fresh, and but the same way, same message. 
It's no problem for me to tell you to rejoice in the Lord. I know I've told you again. I'll keep telling you again because it's good for you to know your mindset is to rejoice in the Lord. And so as you rejoice in the Lord, there are those who don't rejoice in the Lord. There are those who say they do, but they're they're a problem. And so he talks, he gets pretty full on, actually, in verse 2. You can't really call someone a dog and not be harsh. (laughs) Watch out for those dogs. That's harsh. Those evildoers, that's harsher. And then he gets really obscene, the mutilators of the flesh. He really goes for it. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. He's basically saying, and if, if you're not aware of the context, in the Old Testament, God's people were identified by, by circumcision. And when Jesus came, he's saying, that identification is not the issue. Identification is with following me, putting your trust in me. And so when some people came, came and say, no, no, you've got to be a Jew of all Jews and you've got to continue to be circumcised. And if you're not, then you don't belong and you can't be a follower of God. He's saying, those guys are outrageous. Let, he wants to be clear that he's not okay to have extra things put on Jesus. Now, that's not an issue for us so much. But if we have an idea where I can believe in Jesus, but I need these extra markers in whatever way it is, even if it's just being a good bloke then that's not okay and so pause when you say to them as you have joy in the lord as you've seen that he has been obedient to death on a cross for you he wants them to remember nothing else is okay so don't let people who say something else is let it be acceptable he says this requirement of belonging in the flesh with this symbol no longer is an issue And he has street cred, Paul, because he is Jew of all Jews, the writer of this level, uh, this letter. He was one who was zealous for the Jewish life. That's why he says, I myself have reasons for such confidence. See, he was a religious expert. And we can have a problem if we think we're good enough. And so Paul addresses that. He says in uh, verse 4, he goes on to say, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. You think you're good? You think you've got the markings? Well, let me tell you about this. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for a zeal, a persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Gee, he's got tickets on himself, right? He knew... He was the one when it came to being a Jew. He was zealous. And he is making a very clear line in the sand that Jesus changes that. That that whole circumcision and marking was just to say God's people are together and are waiting for the Messiah to come. The Messiah has come, so your marking now is in him, not in circumcision or anything else. So if you think you're good enough because of this basis, you've got a problem. So for us, it's clarity on the single-mindedness of needing Jesus and living for him is where Paul's going. And so what he does and where the the heart of this passage goes in many ways is to show that single-minded attitude towards your Lord and Saviour. 
That's what he's doing. And so he does this comparison thing, which we kind of did with the kids. I think comparing helps give clarity on what matters. Uh, uh, one little story that happened for us uh, this week. Jen um, was trying to tell Ethan that um, uh, she loved, uh, loved him for some reason. I can't remember what it was. But she said, Ethan, I love you more than flowers. And Ethan's just gone, flowers <laughs> knowing that Jen likes flowers um they might have been gardening or something um and then a little while later Ethan comes back and obviously been thinking about it and he goes up to Jen and he says mum I love you more than tech and Jen's gone tech as in you know we and iPads and everything's and Jen's gone tech you love tech I know I love you more comparison Gives a kind of understanding of things, right? And he tried to figure that out uh, in his own way and it reminds us of our problem with obsession with tech. But that's another story. Um, You see, comparison can be helpful. We've talked previously in the relationship series about how destructive it can be in relationships and how social media and all those things, we kind of just keep on pushing ourselves down when it comes to comparing ourselves to other people unhealthily. But we get it. We get to see standard of things when we understand uh, uh, comparison in this way, and I think that that's kind of what's going on here. He talks about his old way and compares it to the new way in Jesus, and he said, "Well, that doesn't compare." Look, verse seven: Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever I got about being the best Jew that I could be, no, that was pointless. That was a loss. That's fair enough. He hated the church. He, he wanted Christians to be taken down. He meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. His life is changed. He realized Jesus is the Lord of all things and he needs to give his life to him. And he considers everything else that he had done was wrong. The contrast couldn't be any greater. But he goes on more. Verse 8. What is more... I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Paul, they're not just words to pass by. He gave up his whole identity and existence. And he's saying, so what? It's, it doesn't matter compared to the worth, the price, the value of knowing Jesus. That's worth considering, isn't it? Because for us, even if maybe we've got things that are tough for us at the moment and we're struggling, we still have a lot of things in our life that we can say we value. For some of us that have been really blessed materially, and it's not wrong in of itself, speaking about me even, they're not, like you just can't compare them from knowing Jesus. And so he says, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ. He's saying, how can I obsess on something that's going to fade away when Jesus is eternal and lasts forever? 
If Jesus is who he says he is, if he did come into the world, die obedient to death on a cross, conquer the grave, come back alive, rise, rise again and he's reigning now, promising us that we are raised in him into all eternity. If that is true, all the things we have now, even the most glorious and wonderful things, Paul is saying, I can't say that they're more important than Jesus. I got it. It's better off that I say they're garbage. I reckon it's a great, it wasn't intentional, but it's a great way to start off the year after we come through um, a, a very materialistic time or a very being obsessed about relaxing and the pleasures of, of life, which are great, as one going on holidays to, tomorrow. Like, it's, it's a helpful passage in that, isn't it? They're great, they're good, and they're temporary. And compared to Jesus, they don't stack up. He says in verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. He's saying, I'm telling you, I see my life this way because I have clarity on the reality is. No matter, I I could have the most perfect life, but there is a resurrection from the dead in Jesus that goes into all eternity. There's a new creation, there's a new way that his resurrection, the power that he brings, that we get brought into. So the sufferings that we participate in in this life do not compare. We have that to long and look forward to. Um, Yesterday when Joel and Rhiannon got married, it was a great day. It was a little sweaty, um, but it was a great day. It It was a joy. Um, and it just got me thinking as I was um, doing the wedding um, and the ring thing, because um, when I, I did lose my, a ring, um, and it hasn't been a big issue. Jen doesn't really care about it. Now, some of you are probably horrified at the fact. For the first four years in Adelaide, I never wore a wedding ring. I didn't realise at Teenie there were so many people at church who were wondering, Michael never wears a ring. What's going on? Is it some kind of tradition that they do in Sydney? Or what's going on with that? And then one day we, we got a ring and I put it on and everyone came up to me going, what's going on with the ring? You're married now. Like it was this, it was this thing. Whereas for us, it wasn't that significant. It didn't matter, right? But I always thought it'd be good to get another ring and I, and I mentioned it to Jen and so she got me one for Christmas, which is great. But it's just a symbol that you can take or leave. It's what's behind it that matters. But the symbol is significant because when you read um, in, in, in the wedding, in the wedding um, uh, that we used yesterday, it's when the uh, wedding is declared, I, I finish it like this. Joel and Rhiannon have now witnessed to their mutual consent before God and this company. They have pledged their solemn word to each other and they have confirmed it by the giving and receiving of a ring and by the joining of hands and declare them to be husband and wife. The ring, it's a treasure. Its significance lies in what it's, what's behind it. You see? It doesn't matter, but it was just, a, it's a nice, it's a simple way of saying something more significant and profound has happened. But it is still just garbage and can be thrown away. 
I'd throw it now, except I've got to take it back to the shops to replace it, so I won't do that. <laughs> Whatever's significant in your life, you may have uh, engagement rings that are far more valuable. Like, uh, uh, like Jen doesn't wear her wedding ring, I don't think. She just wears her engagement ring because it's more precious because we chose that one. It's got the the little jewel in it and it's nicer. And some are really expensive and valuable. How important, how would you cope if you lost it? It'd be devastating. Well, that's, but what's behind that bigger? How do we cope when things that we lose and then how do we cope if we think about the idea of losing Jesus? We want to gain Christ in all things. That's how we're to think. That's how we're to think about um, this passage, I think. Paul is challenging us to consider, is Jesus that much of a treasure for us? And so let me ask that question of you today. Is he? Those of you who love the Lord, how much have you been treating him like a treasure recently? He is, but you fill your life up with so many other things that he's just one of many things, even though you know in your mind he is. I wonder whether 2018, we can start afresh in once again coming and going, you are our treasure Lord at Grove, there is nothing more important to us and we want to express that. That's one of the reasons why I think just getting a crack on with the Bible this year and really reading it uh, together as his people would, would do us a great deal of good. I think we've lost that art uh, as God's people, as in general speaking, of just a, not just reading the Bible, but discipline in doing it and passion and devotion to it. And I think that is one, one simple way of expressing where our treasure is. I think that's the heart of the passage, or certainly the heart of what I wanted us to bring out today. But I want us to see how he kind of says at the end, I think he kind of goes, don't forget the goal. In all of this comparison and all of this going to do, don't forget the goal. So in verse 12 he says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. Don't forget your purpose in life. We have many goals. I'd love to finish school. I'd love to get through uni without failing something. I'd love to get a job when I finish uni. I'd love to get married. I'd love to have good relationship. I'd love to be successful in my career. I'd love just to have a job. I'd love to not have pain and suffering in my life. I'd love for people I love, uh, want to be healthy. Many goals. Good goals. But here's the goal. I press on towards the goal. He calls it a prize. It's not a prize you earn, it's just been given to you. For which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Our goal 
is eternity with Jesus. That's the promise. And it is perfection. It is good. It is better than any moment that you have had. So whatever treasures you love now, come up with one in your mind right now. It can be not a massive one, but just come up with something right now that was fantastic that you loved. The goal to press on heavenward in Christ Jesus, that time is better than that moment. It far surpasses it. It doesn't compare. That is the promise that we have. That's why Revelation 21 finishes the way it does. We know pain and suffering and everything in Christ is, is greater. That is where we're heading. And so I want you today to reassess whether Jesus is worth it. Is he? I think he is. The one who made me, who came into this world and died for me and said, your rejection of me, I've forgotten that with that because I've dealt with it. I've paid the penalty for it. Yeah, I think that's worth being in a relationship with him. Is that something that you should assess in your life? Maybe you go, I've gotten, whoa, that's a big deal. I need to consider this more. Well, keep coming to grow. We'd love you to just keep wrestling with who Jesus is. That's why we're here. We love it when people come in that context to think through who Jesus is. That's what we do every week. When we start our, uh, come, keep coming to Philippians and then through the rest of this year as we do Luke's gospel and you read about Jesus' life. Even if you've never read the Bible before and you want to blow your mind, read the Bible with us. Uh, anything to start wrestling with Jesus. Even today you may go, you know what, I have heard about Jesus. I know he died for me. He is worth it. You, you, you can commit today and going, you know what, I've got a lot of questions. I don't know where this is heading, but I know he's Lord and he is the one that I'm going to live for. Can I encourage all of you, brothers and sisters, reassess how you view him in compared to other things in your life. Spend some time doing that. Is he like that span of distance between everything else that you have valuable in your life? If you say yes, how is that reflected as a double check? How do you know that's true? Are you heading towards your goal? We head towards our goal, seeking to copy Jesus as we seek to copy those whose attitude is the same of Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for today. We give you great thanks that we can come together as your people and come back to what truly matters to us. Nothing compares to Jesus. Help us to have the mind of Christ in all we do. Amen.